Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today, and now back to the show. Hello, and welcome to another lovely episode of the Donk Cast. Uh, the name <laughs> the that Donk Cast. The name that I have given the show that everybody hates to include myself. I'm Joe, yeah, and with me fan. is Liam. Hi, Joe. Uh, how you doing today, buddy? I'm I'm all right, man. Yeah, I'm a little tired, but uh, yeah, I'm good. You know, life's not that bad, I guess. That's all you can aim for. Sometimes I'm quite tired myself. Um, I'm, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm one of those people you that I, early too. Yeah, normally I wake up pretty fast. Like if I stand up and get out of bed, um, I'm good to go. Um, unfortunately I did not do that this morning. My alarm went off and then I laid there for 15 minutes. Oh, you lazy turd. Who would do that? Certainly not me. <laughs> not Liam. Are you a snooze yeah, guy? Yeah, I'm a piece of shit about it. Yeah. Uh, like when they like, Oh, five more minutes, but you know, you're not actually falling asleep. Yeah, I'm, that lying. I'm lying to myself and everybody else, baby. Nice. I can never do that. Um, I always because I, I I swear I think it's because uh, like because I grew up in the army where I always had a roommate and if you had a if you had a snoozing roommate you were going to murder them yeah although Corinne's also a snoozer she just lies about it she's like no I'm not yes she is yes she fucking is <laughs> um now Liam uh a while back for a bonus episode actually it wasn't that much of a while I believe it was like two months ago we talked about uh, the Battle of Cry. Uh, where the Romans got absolutely massacred to the point that uh, they had they had like a crisis of faith and began sacrificing humans again. Well, fine, which we we've all done it. And then you have to uh, you know uh, cut Kill someone's throat at the temple of, uh, of, of Artemis. You yeah. do what you got to do, you know. Yeah, it, it was weird when I went to rehab. They're like, okay, the first step is uh, sacrifice this, this baby. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while. We we talk about Rome occasionally. Of course, we have. If in case you're not a supporter of the show, we have an entire bonus series where we watch HBO's Rome. Uh, there's the plug. Uh, I did not intend to do that with uh, with this episode. That's you can also buy something from our Teespring store. Buy our or, books and we donate yeah. to the Flint Water Trust and the Halo Fund. Tr- the Halo Fund. Oh, you you <laughs> almost had it. It's backwards. Um, I really do need to update that at some point. But you're old. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> I, I'm not old. I'm young at heart. That's not true. My heart he is said, also old. He said his bones disintegrating into crab meat. My heart looks like pulled pork at the moment. So I feel it. Um, you know, we we enjoy talking about Rome on the show because it's funny. Uh, there is as a long storied history of mythical level fuck ups. And this is one of those. Now, this actually started off. I wanted to write only about the Battle of Arusio. Uh, and then I realized the entire Cimbrian War is dumber than hell. And we'd have to talk about oh, the whole yeah. I mean, it's piles of dead Romans, dirt slick with the spilled olive oil of a discarded generation. Uh, yeah. You, you got to love it. 
you gotta cook it. You gotta you gotta slice it thin, though. You gotta slice that murder ge- lost generation thin. Yeah, so you can pan fry it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it. Like we've we've talked about some pretty interesting ways to lose a battle here on the show. Uh, not, I mean, not an exhaustive list, but you know, not supplying your soldiers with clothes, having everybody die of disease, or of course, the time with the Paraguayan military once lost a battle to a field of cacti. It's it's, it's hard out here. It's tough. It's tough. And I don't think we've ever had. I mean, of course, we've talked about commanders and subordinates absolutely hating one another probably every series we talk about that <laughs> soldiers don't change <laughs> yeah, no they do not um but it, i think this is the first time we've had literally tens of thousands of people die because of just spite uh between commanders just and beef, uh, yeah yeah just, it, it it they died over a personal beef and this is the first time i actually heard this battle was because i didn't major in like classics or anything um it was uh, Mike Duncan's book, The Storm Be- Before the Storm, which is one Storm, of the sources yeah. I use. It's really fucking good. Good book. Good book. This entire thing is pretty. The whole Cimbrian War is a catalog of Roman fuck ups to the point it eventually birthed what we know today as the Roman military. Because, um, like, when you think of the Roman military, you think of like, you know, the, the legions formed of largely poor landless men they serve for a very long time and if they survive they have a pretty sick benefits package at the end um it's like the foundation of what pe- most people in the west see as a professional military this is what started it and that was because they ran out of guys that owned land because <laughs> they killed too many of them <laughs> um now uh and not to mention the man who spearheaded those reforms, Gaius Marius, kind of, despite being considered one of the saviors of Rome at the time, he also like took a nice pickaxe to the foundation of the Roman Republic, um, which would lead to one of of many uh, Roman civil wars, and eventually, of course, the empire. Now, the Roman Republic at the time was at what I think is fair to consider the height of Republican power before it all kind of imploded and got duct taped together. And def- down. <laughs> yeah, like because like you know, the empire was pretty unstable for a very long time um, and uh, kind of got cobbled back together. Uh, th- this is the Republican era before Caesar, uh, you know, got stabbed a whole bunch of times and changed things. Um it had been nearly a third of a century since the last time we talked about Rome and the war against Carthage. Uh, I believe it's the $5 level. You can go listen to that. We talk about that. I think it's like two hours long because I'm bad at editing. But uh, they had annihilated Carthage. On top of carrying out one of history's first well-recorded genocides, they also uh, destroyed their only pure foe. Uh, so there's like no one to really stand up to them anymore. They controlled most of the Mediterranean, either directly or indirectly, through a system of tribute city-states, which you know were a little more than puppets. Um, they had also subdued the Greek League and established a province by stomping a hand th- uh, by stomping through a handful of uh, Gaelic tribes. So they're definitely already um, expanding into Western Europe as well. So, in essence, Rome was allowed to do pretty much whatever it wanted with only a loose collection of Germanic tribes to oppose them. Uh, and this oh, would be like... Oh, a, boy, howdy, where they got. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you don't want a whole bunch of Italians showing up and kicking around your stuff. Biting and scratching. And, I don't know. and this is like an <laughs> era of continuous expansion. Um, so, like the, so, yeah, you're not going to... Uh, the, the relationship 
too is quite complicated. And we're going to have to talk about this as well. Uh, uh, one of the ways that they did this is people knew, knew who Rome was, right? Um, when the Romans and their big fancy shields or whatever show up on your front lawn, they, they kind of run a protection racket. They're like, it'd be a real shame if everybody burned your shit to the ground. How would you like to be a vassal state? Exactly. And a lot of people would, you know, like, yeah, that sounds fine. Because the other option is like you murdering my family and enslaving my wife. So, you know, right. I guess I'll pay you taxes. I guess I'll, I guess I'll take it. Yeah. And I mean, it also did come with a guarantee because a lot of these um, tribes were quite unstable where they lived. They were migratory. So, you know, it kind of sucks when another tribe shows up and starts burning your shit down. And if you sign yeah. up with the Romans, people generally didn't do that anymore because they knew a whole bunch of like guys named Giuseppe were going to show up and start stabbing you. Giuseppe. <laughs> and not saying that's a good arrangement, but I know what arrangement I would take. <laughs> like the other yeah. options, the other options end with my horrible death. So, uh, you know, and the other option ends with my horrible death from like, I don't know, exploding butthole syndrome. You will get dysentery and it will suck. I think dysentery was just like a normal state of being back then. Like every no, wow. nobody had nobody took a solid shit until like 1956. <laughs> what a way to go, man! <laughs> uh, no other group of people fought the Romans so long and so consistently as a Germanic tribes. Though, of course, as always, these people are not monoliths, and this is not an exhaustive history of Germanic tribes. So bear with me here. Someone's going to get mad at me. There was do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get mad for not centering Gaelic voices or something. Um, How could so, you do this show? We hear so you. Probably, we see you. We're not listening. So it probably shouldn't come as much a surprise when I say that uh, it's this kind of constant fucking around in Western Europe that would eventually lead to thousands of Romans eventually finding out. And this leads us to our main characters of the day, the Kimbri people. Originally, probably, maybe from the Jutland area of what would today be Denmark. Um, their history is one of those uh, situations where it's full of a lot of people shrugging and trying to piece together things. In all likelihood, we'll probably never know. Um, it, you know, a lot of a lot of people did not re- leave written histories behind, so you end up getting secondhand histories uh, written by Romans who thought they were barbarians. So we're not entirely sure. Um, what we do know is that they are Germanic people. Uh, they took part in a seasonal migration south. Uh, they would pick up and move south uh, to mostly to like Iberia or Spain um, during the colder winter months. So they'd freeze their tits off um, up in their ha- uh, house in Denmark. I didn't know it got that cold in Denmark, but it sure. Yeah, okay. It, does. it seems like it would. It was also during this time that they normally came in contact with other tribes. And uh, this is mostly a good thing. Uh, they would trade and intermarry. Uh, this wasn't like a war situation. It was kind of like a, a seasonal hangout in, in, in warm Spain. You know, They all went on a holiday or something. Uh, like the English just, you know, all, your, all of them red-faced out, and you know, separate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, it, it's kind of interesting because it, this is kind of how all of their diplomacy was also done. It's like, oh, we'll wait until winter and we'll talk to everybody. However, this normal cycle was thrown off in around 120 BC, and nobody's entirely sure why. It's written that some kind of environmental disaster happened in the northern end of Jutland, which forced the Kimbri, the Teutones, and the Ambrones uh, to all like pick up their shit and up. Get, yeah, get the fuck out of Jutland once and for all. Um, now, Roman historian Strabo said this wasn't the case, and instead they were, you know, warlike barbarian conquering people on the march, which 
I seriously doubt. Nobody's entirely sure, but we do know that these tribes throwing it to, throwing it all together and randomly invading their neighbors was a bit of out of character uh, to just like chalk them up to being bloodthirsty barbarians. Uh, most people think it was kind of like a unseasonable catastrophic flood, uh, and they had to leave. Mm-hmm. Together, numbering they, around they, they, two. Yeah, they got that the, uh, primordial Nazi meth chocolate. They just went to town, really. You know, if there's one thing, if you could go back in history and just sprinkle in every conflict that couldn't be like guns or tanks or jets or nukes, I would 100% just give everybody Nazi meth chocolate and see what happens. Oh, yeah. Wasn't there a, the, didn't the MRE guy eat Nazi meth chocolate? I don't know. I don't. I want to find out now. I think he did. I don't know. I mean, can you just make a YouTube video of you doing meth? Like, is it allowed? I mean, I there's a Reddit for meth. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I mean, we're not monetized on YouTube. Uh, let me see if I can do that. How you guys not monetize on YouTube? Don't worry about it. I mean, I, I know there's really easy ways to be demonetized. Mostly it's like posting violent content and you have a slideshow. Speaking of like the drug subreddit, it's like uh, one of the weirdest. Uh, I fell into this pit the other day because I couldn't sleep. Um, oh no! Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> um, and every drug Reddit is subreddit is like, oh, you th- you're thinking about quitting, you fucking pussy. Like, yeah, I, I know. quit whatever I want, <laughs> except the heroin subreddit. We're like, yeah, bro, this sucks. Don't do heroin. <laughs> like, yeah, confirm actually. It's like the one subreddit where everybody's fully aware of how they ended up there. You know, um, or, or the the weed subreddit where everybody uh posts like I don't know it's like the mid two thousands and they think that weed will cure you of being deaf or something. It, it like, will. It will. Yeah, we, we know this course. to be true, actually. Yeah, science. Baby. We're the idiots. Yeah. Now together, these three uh, these three tribes. I'm generally just going to call them the Kimbri. Uh, I'll make different. Uh, I'll make. Uh, I'll point them out when they're different because generally, when you read about this war, everybody's just called the Kimbri. They were the most numerous of the three tribes, but. Bear with me. Uh, together, these three tribes um, numbered around two hundred thousand people, um, like warriors. I mean, like they also brought like their entire life with them as well. But generally, their uh, military is uh, numbered at around two hundred thousand, which probably means it was actually less than that. Uh, when it, whenever you're reading Roman sources about the so-called barbarian invasions, they put their numbers at uh, like exceedingly high especially when it comes to conflicts that they lost. Um, so, so it looks like, yeah, we were simply outnumbered 16 to 1. Like, that doesn't Can you seem believe weird. this? <laughs> and they smash into a few Celtic tribes, which uh, ended with them actually losing. Uh, the Kimberley the got driven back, and it's not like they could just go home. Remember, it's like an ecological nightmare, apparently. Um, but what it did happen was drive them in a different direction, away from the Celtic tribes and towards a tribe that they believed to be weaker. And after recovering and doing whatever it is that Danish people do, they crossed the Danube and they launched them. <laughs> they launched another attack <laughs> in Noricum against a tribe called the Toriski. Uh, I assume that is the world's first indigenous Polish people. Congratulations, boys. Yeah. These are actually a federation of Celtic tribes, uh, but they were more importantly than that, close allies with the Roman Republic. Um, now, there's no evidence that the Kimbri actually knew that they were allies of the Republic. Uh, it's not like they could, they're playing. You guys did. You guys? Guys? <laughs> 
it's not like they could play uh, like Rome Total War and open the Allies tab. They just stormed in there and started stabbing a whole lot. They did kind of nail the fact that they were weaker, um, and the Toruski got scattered and were unable to repel uh, the Kimbri from their lands. This forced them to ask Rome for help. Now, as you can imagine, Rome was not a huge fan of the situation. Not only so it's not like they gave a shit about the safety of the Celts. If it was up to them, they would probably just have empty land. They would prefer not to have Celts there. But you know, if they allowed their tributes to get it, their teeth kicked in by someone I don't know named like Oliver Olson, dressed in the most boring clothes <laughs> you've ever seen, um, it was less likely that other tribes would see working with the Romans as worth it. Because if you don't guarantee their safety, then what's the point, right? You can't have sure. a bunch of dudes bumping Barbie girl, just rocking and fuck up your protection racket like that. Like if you can't tell, I tried really hard to make fun of Danish people for this episode. And the, I came up with nothing. Every time I thought oh, of something, I, 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 I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. I know you got oh, it. Oh, what I'm going to do is go to Copenhagen and I'm going to cycle through 40% cycling usage. And then what I'm going to do is try to drown a migrant in the sea, full, a whole boat full of migrants. And I'm going to drown them and I'm going to rip the babies out from their mother's arms. Hinga digga Durgan isn't my country so perfect. Shut the fuck up. That, that's Swedish. Yeah, whatever, dude. It's Scandinavian. <laughs> it's all the same. And I say that as a person of Swedish descent. So shut up. See, every time we try to make fun of the Danish, we end up thinking there's somebody else. Because <laughs> <laughs> who gives a shit about the Danish, dude? Uh, our American is showing. Uh, uh, sorry, are you a nuclear power? No, then I don't want to talk to you. Oh, so suddenly you're pro-Israel. Hmm, interesting. Uh, um, oh, they maintain a state. What, what is it that they do? They're just like, no, we don't know if we have nukes. Shut up. Yeah. It, Please ignore that. Please ignore whatever we did with apartheid South Africa, that's not important to this discussion at all. It's the same relationship that my dad had with me, which is I, you acknowledge they exist. You simply don't talk about them. <laughs> oh, well he's dead and you're not. So who won that one? Yeah. Scoreboard motherfucker. Uh, now when, uh, when the request for help came to Rome, uh, it came just as the Republic was starting to show some pretty serious cracks in its foundation and was in the beginnings of its own very long transition into empire. We've talked a bit before about this on occasion, but I don't expect to just reference you back to other episodes. This was the transfer of pretty much the entire economy and Republic's wealth into a very small number of hands, while the poor and landless had no opportunities whatsoever. Good thing that's never going to happen again. Yeah. Ooh, thank God we figured that one I, out, boys. I do do want to uh, give a shout out to the uh, the Danish resistance who fought heroically and evacuated many Jews uh, to safety in Sweden. Uh, that said, your country can still burn to the ground. Once again, welcome to Liam's uh, I Hate Europe corner. I really do, man. <laughs> the only reason that my current country gets away with it is nobody's entirely sure if we're Europe or not. So, ha! <laughs> Aren't you Asia? You're Asia, right? You're, you're Asia, yeah. I mean, What side of the Urals are you on? I guess the Urals don't go that far, do they? No, I'm in the Caucasus. Oh, that's right. All right. Well, time to grow a beard and become an MMA fighter, Joe. Uh, I'm not. I'm not uh, in the North Caucasus. I am in the South Caucasus. Oh, oh but- God! Are, did you say you're joining the Chechen army? Oh no! 
Yeah, I, I heard like I read this book by a really interesting guy named Kadyrov. Um, oh no, 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 no! Come back, come back, come back. Let, let me check my itinerary. I have a one-way trip to uh, Grozny coming up. He wants to talk to me about a podcast I made. I'm sure I'm never going to talk to you again. <laughs> um goodbye joe <laughs> <laughs> but like uh more specifically for this like the latifundia which is like the these massive roman plantations and i think we talked this about in the back way back in the spartacus series there was there was so much roman expansion that's where rome's slaves came from is like storming through europe snatching up all these slaves um they completely displaced working people that worked the lands before then so those people are now largely unemployable. They can't even join the army uh, for what I assume is a garlic and oil-based GI bill. Uh, like they can't, um, <laughs> like because you have to be a landowner to join the military. So through this transfer of wealth and the you know massive uh, uh, discarding of an uh, actual employed population on the fields. They actually ran out of people who could enlist uh, because when you, you they centralized all of these lands and only a handful of people and those people were were maybe nobles willing to like try to become consul like they're not going to uh, I don't know join the fucking military right this is a on top of their you know war with Carthage which caused them over like hundreds of thousands of people um, and the land that was snatched up by the rich, fewer and fewer landowners existed, which meant that there was Mm. a much smaller pool for people to draw officers and men from the Roman military because of the land owning requirement. And it wasn't even like a little bit of land. It was a, it was a pretty decent um, amount of land that you had to own. Like it's, it's like called the property law not necessarily just land, but like you had to be, decently like upper middle class like the american equivalent of this is like owning a suburb uh owning a house in a suburb outside of it welcome to joesville (laughs) yeah uh, i pay you in script oh no don't do that like you would own like a decent uh i don't know like starter home which like now in the u.s probably costs like a half million dollars yes it does (laughs) I mean, it's not that much different here now due to the influx of like 100,000 Russians since they invaded Ukraine. All of the rents are like times 10. Um, yeah, because it's not like it was you know, the poor and downtrodden Russians trying to escape the draft. It was people who happened to have tens of thousands of euros in liquid cash that fled across the border. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now, like this, uh, so this brings some pretty serious problems. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are dead. A lot of people are disenfranchised. Now, the smaller pool means the quality gets worse and worse because you know maybe you are a landowner, but you kind of like not super healthy, so you didn't quite qualify for military service. Now Rome's like, eh, fine. So it, it's all bad, and not to mention, a lot of people didn't lose their land because they died. Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of like generations of men were hemorrhaged fighting Hannibal, but like then their surviving families generally would sell their land to these large landowners probably for like i don't know a slightly used toga or whatever but men were gone like military campaigns took fucking decades back then right because what else is yeah yeah if you're gonna pack it up and like i don't know go stab germanic people you're gonna be gone from your land for possibly a decade <laughs> yeah that's yeah and then the the check stopped coming and then uh your wife is uh your daughter's pregnant things are going poorly for you check out Romecast. Yeah, yeah, it's the, <laughs> the, the yeah the the historically accurate HBO room. 
one of the things is like when the these guys are also like effectively the managers of this land. Some of them had slaves, some of them didn't. But when they're gone for so long, their fields kind of fall into disarray. So they end up cranking up debts uh, to try to take care of their land, whatever. And now they can't repay those debts. So eventually they end up, their land falls into disrepair. It's going to cost too much or too long to fix and they need to feed their family. So they sell it again to the same people who are stockpiling these parcels of land into these latifundia. So by the very act of Rome expanding, you've effectively nuked your economy. (laughs) Almost Almost like war is bad. Except for a few people. Who's Alan Hamilton sends its regards. Yeah, it did. It was really good for the people who ended up uh, building the Latifundia. I mean, all, sure. all of those people ended up being senators and, and like councils and shit later on. Sure, sure. Now, enter Roman consul Gnaeus Paprius Carbo, um, who was co-counsel with Gaius Copernicus. And as consul, Carbo was ordered by the Senate to take the legions and guard the Alpine passes that led into Italy from the advancing Cimbri, since they already stomped through the uh, some tribes and got there. This is where the Cimbri see Romans show up and like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We had no idea these guys are Roman allies. Now, look, we know now we're fine with packing up and going back home. If you let us like our bad, honest mistake. And honestly, that does seem to be true because picking a fight, if you're fleeing from home and you are have no place to turn back to, fighting the largest power across the mountains seems like a Probably fucking not idea. a good idea, right? Yeah. Carbo agreed to this because, you know, why not? And he sent some guides to lead the Cimbri away from Italy and back up into West and Northwestern, Western Europe. However, Carbo was kind of a dick. The guides oh. he was uh, he gave them were actually leading them directly towards the prepared ambush spot where Roman soldiers were waiting for them where they would be slaughtered. Oh, come now, on, guy. This didn't happen, but there's two theories as to why that didn't happen. The tribes simply didn't trust the Romans, and they set their own scouts ahead and found the ambush. Or one of the guides is like, hey, Carbo's about to fuck you. His boys are hiding up there. We don't know which. Um, people tend to think it's the second one because the guides were generally um, members of uh, Germanic or Gaelic tribes, and they weren't the mm-hmm. biggest fans of the Romans either. So either way, the, the Cimbri were onto them, leading to the Battle of Norea. As they were, as the Romans were laying an ambush, they were not exactly ready for a toe-to-toe fight. You know, because we've talked a bit before how the Romans need to stay in formation in order to right. for, the, for the war doctrine to work correctly. Um, we don't have a ton of information on this battle, um, but at least twenty thousand Romans were killed, and Carbo barely made it out alive. It's thought of uh, maybe only about five thousand of the original Roman force of uh, twenty-five to thirty. Um, managed to survive the surprise German butcher shop. Now, according to Appian, the only reason that Carbo and those 5,000 or so men escaped was because the slaughter went on for so long, the sun eventually went down. um, And there was kind of like a starless night, so it was very, very dark. And they were fucking around, (laughs) trying to to bounce. (laughs) And they kind of like slipped out the back. Um, Mm -hmm. And and then when the Cimbrians realized, like, hey, there's these guys running away, like a driving thunderstorm hit the area. And it was so it was such a bad storm that, like, they couldn't be located. They could do it anything. Mm. Yeah. 
Now, as if this wasn't bad enough for old Carbo, he was brought up on charges by Marcus Antonius for, you know, hemorrhaging an entire military. Uh, and rather than face the music and probably be exiled, it's like, we'll talk about it again later. But one of the things that Rome would tend to do to people at their councils who, you know, threw 30,000 dudes into a buzzsaw is that they would exile them with like no, you can have no hearth or home within like 800 miles of Rome. Like nobody can give you food or water or anything. Yeah. That's probably what he was going to get. And instead he killed himself. Fair enough. Probably would too. Yeah. I mean, he embodied the tried and true samurai ethic of at first you don't succeed, kill yourself so it doesn't happen Why again. You kill yourself. Yeah. I think my my guidance counselor gave me this, the same advice. Now, Jesus. <laughs> remember how I was telling you about the manpower crunch that Rome was having? Well, that's about to get significantly worse. The war had been going on for years now. It had started in uh, 113 BC and is now 105 BC. The Romans had so many setbacks, they didn't really want to chase the Germanic ghosts into the woods and get stabbed again. So the consuls of the day, Publius Rutilius Rufus, uh, who was the great uncle of Julius Caesar and a decorated war hero, put together an army to wait at the northern border as like a defensive strategy and only strike if the Cimbrians re-entered Roman lands and threatened Italy again. But uh, for some reason, he did not command this army itself, uh, and nobody's entirely sure why. He could have been sick or just didn't want to. I mean, why not? Like He's consul. He doesn't have to do it. Um, he, ha- he has all the glory that he needs. Maybe he had tickets to Warp Tour and couldn't make it that day. Uh, I was a Warp Tour kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, now, normally, he probably would have picked Gaius Marius to lead this army uh, because he was considered the best military commander in Rome outside of Rufus himself. Uh, but Marius is away in Africa. There, Rome, being Rome, was involved in a completely different war. Is a baby. <laughs> yeah. This uh, war called the Jugurthine War. Uh, now, what a name. We'll eventually talk about the Jugurthine War because it is an episode of Roman history that is just dumber than hell. Um, but, uh, you know, so you know, Marius was distracted at the moment for empire stuff. And so he had to find somebody else, which led him to Gnaeus Malleus Maximus, who is a guy who had virtually no military experience, but did have the bonus of uh, Rufus trusted him. <laughs> so that was it. Oh, well, that's good, I guess. It's all we need, baby. Yeah, he was he was co-counsel uh, and he was what's known as a, a novus homo or a new man. Now, this is a name given to someone when they're the first ones in their family to enter politics, whether it be Senate it. or be elected consul. Um, and Maximus was consul. Now, these novus homo were universally looked down by their peers uh, because, I mean, we've, we've talked about it, I believe, uh, on the show before that Roman democracy was a fucking joke. It was a, the Senate was nothing but nobles. Uh, families passed their seats down to members of the same family, etc. Another person who believed that these no, uh, Novus Homo did not need to be in charge of anything was actually the army's second in command, Quintus Servilius Capio. Now, Capio hated the idea of being a subordinate to a Novus Homo, despite the fact that uh, Maximus outranked him in every way. He was consul for the year. He was in command of the military. It didn't matter. C- Capio was from a very prestigious family he he only thought and only cared about his superiority that he thought he was owned by the by his birth so so much so that he refused to listen to any of maximus's orders oh this is gonna go well 
yeah, he split the army in half, taking half under his own command. They marched separately. He refused to listen to orders. They didn't even camp together. Uh, Capio would uh, camp miles and miles away from Maximus. What a, what a dick. <laughs> yeah, uh, it gets it gets worse there. I, 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 I said it. Hell yeah. You know, while I'm here on the soundboard, you know what? They, they would not have had a problem uh, with this if they Our were... Base. That's so loud. <laughs> now, if if only they understood homie law, if Capio understood the concept of the greater unifying theory of homies, this would not have happened. Anyway, go listen to the Romecast. Um, yeah, yeah, highly recommend it. Eventually, this force got to the Roden River with Capio simply refusing to cross it with Maximus and camping on the <laughs> other side oh of God, the river. Dude. <laughs> It, it's it's like a, a, a sitcom where they draw a fucking line down the middle of the room, uh, except it's a whole ass map. Like, I'm not crossing this. Fuck you. That's why. Like, and this is where Maximus probably realized, because this is his first like major command. He's like, wow, if, you're, if your subordinate doesn't actually want to listen to you, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, and not, even though he's counsel, like, if he you know, treats Capio like the piece of shit that he is, his political career is fucking dead. Because Capio's mm-hmm. family is going to kneecap him or something. So after arguing with him and trying to get him to cross the river, he's eventually just sent a runner all the way back to Rome to request official orders for Capio to cross the fucking river from the Senate. Jesus. And the Senate, the Senate probably sighed, rolled their eyes, and jotted some shit down on an extra piece of, like, I don't know, butt skin paper, handed it off to the runner. They ran all the way the fuck back. Mind you, this is all the way in northern fucking Italy um, and gave it to Maximus. Only then would Capio listen and cross the river. And even then, when he crossed the river to be on the same side, he refused again to camp alongside him. I mean, Capio might go down as the pettiest bitch that we've ever talked about. That's that's amazing. That truly is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anybody who, who's going to be more petty than him, and you'll find out why I say that in a minute. Now, seeing a sizable army camped out in front of, in front of him, the Kimbrian king Boyerix uh, decided, you know, maybe we should talk this one out, you know, uh, wait, wait for a, a better day. So he went to Maximus's camp, knowing that he was in charge, and began negotiating terms. So, you know, maybe tens of thousands of people didn't need to die, uh, and maybe he'd yes, get some land out of the deal. Like they're looking for effectively guaranteed land because um, right. they can't go home. At one point, they uh, they have like a negotiation. Like, how about you give us land at your northern border, and we'll kind of act as your border patrol. Sure. Um, like that's one of the things that they wanted to do, and Rome wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, but you know, they uh, end up going to Maximus's camp to talk it out. Now, his demands at the time were just to let the tribes pass into into Iberia, uh, which. Rome also controlled parts of with, you know, Maximus. Maximus's orders were only to get him away from Italy and preferably away from Roman controlled lands. So he probably would have agreed to this. Um, like, yeah, sure. just go to go to Spain and attack the tribes that we're not friends with and we're cool, you know. But Maximus is more than happy to negotiate these terms and uh, and met with the king. This infuriated Capio. Now, drama. 
if this entire thing ended with two sides coming together and hashing it out like a bunch of wussies, he would not be able to show everybody in Rome how much more of a man than he was of this fucking novus homo commoner, right? Like, and not to mention, if Maximus negotiated an end to this conflict, he would get all the fucking props, not Capio, and make him look even worse. So right. he had to find a way to Richard Nixon the fuck out of this negotiation deal, which, of well, course, right. I means killed tens of thousands of people uh, for no reason. <laughs> as soon as negotiations were done for the day and Boyerix went back to his camp, Capio ordered a full-scale attack on his camp with the men uh, in his army. Because remember, it's split in half. This is on such short notice that his men were not put into any kind of battle formation, nor did he have any plan or strategy. Not to mention, he was outnumbered by estimated 100,000 people. Jesus. I have no idea what his plan was here. I mean, he had 40,000 people. The, the Roman army is about 80,000, give or take, with it split in half, right? So he has 40,000. It's thought that the Cimbrian group with the, with the Ambrones and the Teutones, it's 200,000 people. And he attacked up a hill God bless into him. a fortified God bless him, camp. Man. Yeah. We love I mean, to say it. They were fucking annihilated, like to the point that I have to think Boyerick thought this is a prank or something. Like, what a way to go! He's like, "You guys really going to do this?" Is they're like marching towards you? Like, uh, all uh, right, oh, okay, uh, sorry. And they were they were slaughtered very quickly. Um, like when you're that badly outnumbered in ancient warfare, you just get surrounded, which is exactly what happened. Right. Somehow Capio survived completely unharmed, but almost nobody else in his military. Nobody, almost nobody else did. Right. Now, because he was not told of this attack, Maximus really didn't have time to prepare for any kind of countermeasure, like most likely picking up stakes and fucking running, because now he's down to 40,000 or so men himself. Because he was negotiating, he didn't exactly have the most defensible position. His back was to the Rodin River. There was no retreat. Um, And now Boyerix, probably rightly, I mean, how can you blame him, just got attacked by a Roman army. And he thought, well, the asshole I was talking to yesterday must have been in on it. Because logically, irrationally, why would he think that there was like a fucking petty personal beef that led to 40,000 people dying? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So he, he couldn't order a retreat. He really didn't have time to put up any kind of defenses. He got his men in a line and they were just slowly hacked to pieces or drowned as they tried to flee. Yikes. Um, it, it, it didn't take long for 80,000 Romans to be dead, which was the largest defeat since the Battle of Cannae that we talked about in our last ep- uh, Roman episode. Um, pretty much all of Maximus, uh, Maximus's family was in his army as either officers or camp followers, and all of them are dead, but he managed to escape somehow. But uh, the, two armies, or the, the two army commanders got back to Rome, largely unhurt, uh, and rightfully, Capio got the majority of the blame. But they were both prosecuted yeah. for losing their armies and, and banished from Rome. Yeah, um, Capio's uh, sentence was honestly hilarious. It was so severe. So he was banished, of course, but he was also fined 800,000 pounds of gold, which oh. <laughs> I need to point out here was more than the Roman treasury. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, now, nobody's really sure what happened to either of them after this, um, but uh, it does note that uh, the fine was never paid. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. 
Now, at this point, the road to Italy was, and, and you know, therefore Rome, was wide open to the Cimbri. However, for reasons kind of unknown, they left it alone, kind of like Hannibal did. The, that's the, is the same easy explanation for this, is that they kind of figured if we start storming towards Rome, we don't have the means to... We're going to get our asses handed to us. Right. Um, and so the, we're going to go, you know, pick on like, the soft underbelly of northern Rome, maybe you know, skip off to go to Spain take some of those guys out too. Um, softer so targets. Everyone my butt, yeah. Instead uh, of attacking Rome, the Cimbri busted a left and went towards Gallia, picking up more and more new allies. I mean, because they're also taking losses as well, right? They need, they need right. some n- new people. Kind of like uh, during the Battle of Cannae episode, people realized like, oh, the fuck Rome hype train is full steam ahead. Let's join them. Um, they, they went through France and burned and looted their way across land with the Gauls unable to stop them. And then they mm-hmm. went down to Spain anyway, doing pretty much the same thing. Now, this ended up being a massive fuck up on the part of King Boyerix. The rest of Rome's armies were away in Africa and there was no army waiting for them in Italy. They had Ooh. just given Rome breathing room to slap something to together. And what they would slap together would effectively be the Roman military that we know. For starters, the Jugurthine War came to an end, and Gaius Marius was free to return to Rome. Then, Rome, clearly desperate, elected him to be consul again. Now, there, at the time, Rome had a law where you could not hold the office of consul twice within 10 years. Um, and Marius had just held it three years prior. And they were like, we don't care, elect him. He wasn't even back in Rome when he got news that he was consul again. And a small side note here, they would actually elect him four more times in a row. Um, effectively nuking the, the the foundations of the Roman Republic to give Good them job, power. Guys. Marius saw that the army was like cooked uh, due to the stupid landowning uh, law and everything we talked about, leading to fewer and fewer people actually owning land on top of you know the eighty thousand people who just got fed into a wood chipper. He realized he didn't have much of a recruiting pool to work from, um, and you know Capio and Maximus also kind of got rid of the last full standing army that he had at, at hands over nobility beef. So looking around, Marius jettisoned that dumb fucking law. He's like, no, we're not doing it. He got the Senate to agree to at first temporarily get rid of the landowning law, which would then become permanent, uh, becoming what is lar- what is infamously known as the Marian reforms of the military. And he created a system that everybody's probably mostly aware of on the, that listens to the show. Landless men were now allowed to join They'd get, uh, you know, which, which is as a bonus, uh, because they were all piss broke. Uh, they wouldn't have to supply their own gear, which old armies did. Uh, everything would be supplied by the state, which meant everything became standardized in order to simplify this process. And the men serving were given a government salary and pretty decent benefits, which would include a plot of land at the end of their service. There are also organizational changes, which uh, led to a more streamlined, better. Uh, working and faster moving army. For example, a lot of the people that died, um, not all, of course, but like behind every Roman army uh, before this era, there's a massive group of camp followers. These people right, right. would n- carry Roman gear. They would, you know, the sex workers, cobblers, butchers, whatever you name it. Whatever you got. Yeah. Um, they got rid of those. Instead of relying on expensive and like an expansive and cumbersome camp follower system, which they tended to bog armies down, uh, Romans would have to carry everything on their backs. Um, this also had the benefit of making Roman soldiers effectively athletic freaks. Um, 
you know, you're carrying shit in your back, you force march them endlessly. And I'm not going to say that they were any better in shape than a lot of soldiers are today, but I'll, I'll just say one of the first things the new soldiers would have to do after uh, uh, reportedly even being before issued a weapon and taught how to fight is it prove they can march 20 miles in five hours while carrying no about 45 thanks, pounds on their back, no, yeah, like which that. I can't do. Nope. 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 <laughs> so like they effectively created an entire like predator army made up of Italians uh, carrying spears and swords. But I repeat myself. Um, <laughs> there it is. However, training a bunch of randos to do war and specifically guys who had never done any kind of military service work because they weren't allowed to takes time. But the Kimbrians gave them time. Right. In the meantime, the Kimbri had you know broken off from their buddies, the Teutones and the Ambrones, and they were launching what is effectively uh, an invasion of northern Rome from two different angles, one from Gallia and Arbanesis, and the other down the Mediterranean coast. And that's when Marius had to throw his new boys into shape, and his new model legion marched out to meet the Teutones and the Ambrones first, because uh, the, he was counsel, his co-counsel was... Marching out to meet the other ones. We'll talk about that in a second. The Marius's first plan, because he's outnumbered in this, he didn't get, you know, he doesn't have hundreds of thousands of people at his disposal. And he wanted to drag the Totones and the Ambrones into effectively uh, a grindhouse battle over a siege. So he built sure. a fort- he built a fortified camp and lured them into attacking it, which they did over the course of three days. And the Totones just absolutely massacred themselves against the walls of the fort. Now Marius's idea is like, well, they have to attack us. Like, we're sitting right here. There's no, why wouldn't they attack us? They want to kill Roman soldiers. And that's when uh, the Teutones hit them with the old uh, Uno reverse card or, or expert uh, uh, division skills. They just went around them. No, we, well we actually don't need to attack you by. Um, the, and funny, uh, funny thing is, as they were marching by where Gar- uh, Gaius's uh, forces were, um, entrenched uh, they yelled out quote do you have any messages for your wives we'll be with them soon which sick burn yeah um now again marius had built a a, a, several legions of freak athletes so he simply chased them down like they broke they broke their camp and marched diagonally at them until he got them in a disadvantageous position which in this case was back against the river on the downslope of a hill at the which would become the Battle of Aquitae Sextae, um, the Tatunes and the Ambrones were not as I mean these guys were uh, forced to leave their home. They've been on the march for years now. They're right. tired. They're beaten up. And then you have this Roman legion who's fresh, uh, much better shape, much better fed, much better uh, like supplied, who effectively do, just slowly march towards them like fucking Jason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, now right the 13th, back- but it's just a bunch of centurions. <laughs> now that they're back against the river, the Tetones still outnumbered them two to one. However, Marius had actually snuck around behind them with 4,000 men and put them in an ambush position, which lay at the flank of the Tetone army. Now, the Tetones were smart enough to not charge directly up a hill because it's stupid, um, but they're hold over their men was kind of tenuous. There wasn't a very rigid military structure yet. There's a lot of um, Germanic and Gallic tribes that effectively just adopt Roman military 
doctrine and, and function, mostly because mm-hmm. a lot of them would end up being in the Roman military. Uh, the Kimbrians hadn't done that yet. They did. They still were. They were able to do shield walls and stuff like that, but they didn't exactly have a rigid command structure. Um, so that meant when the Romans charged with their cavalry and then immediately doubled back on upon contact, um, slowly uh, some groups of the Tetone line broke and chased after them, which led to something of a slow trickle effect of men all following the guy next to them rather than their orders to chase down these cavalry, uh, which it's not that unheard of. I mean, about 80% of warfare in this era isn't so much hearing orders as it is following the guy next to you and hoping he heard the orders, right? So before long, you effectively have a snowball effect of an army kind of running piecemeal up this hill directly back to where the Roman legions are. Um, and the legions shredded them with spears, uh, these pilum, which we've talked about before, which bend upon contact and snap off so they can't be thrown back. Yeah. And they then, after you know, getting some speed holes punched in them by spears, they slammed into the Roman shield wall. Now, this convinced the Tetones that, you know what? We may have fucked up here. We should probably pull back. And they went to... <laughs> yeah. We're, mm, we're a little in too deep. Um, and as they broke contact to uh, try to run back to where this whole thing started, the 4,000 men in hiding in the woods popped up and surrounded them. Now, the Romans on top of the hill also advanced down towards them, meaning the tired and slightly spear-holed Tetones got themselves pinned between two Roman forces and it turned into a large-scale massacre. What a way to go, man. That sucks. They're thinking you're winning one second and you catch like a pilum in your spine. And you're like, oh, that's gone poorly. Yeah. The Tetone force broke and tried to run, but then their own king surrendered, realized that, uh, well, we had fun, boys. It's over now. That was it for them. According to Plutarch, Marius's legions killed around 100,000 100, Teutones, while others placed a number of more realistic 50,000. Uh, the Romans also just kind of like left their bodies where they fell. Uh, they gave them no funeral rites whatsoever, which was often the case, but not always. Um, now, again, according to Plutarch, this led to all of those bodies in this field, uh, you know, uh, melting into the soil, causing the soil to become incredibly enriched and having uh, like a cornucopia of, uh, of new fruits and vegetables. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Uh, corpse farm. Love to eat yeah. dead guy pears. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you bite into a fresh apple and starts bleeding. Go and add corpse farm to our corpse infrastructure list. We got another one, folks. After all of Marius' hard work, we come to his co-consul, Quintus Latutius Catullus. Uh, now, he was the guy that was supposed to be confronting the Cimbri force. And uh, instead, he just packed it up and left. Uh, King Boyerix's army just walked right into northern Italy unopposed, while uh, Catullus just kind of hung back. Now, the Cimbri stayed put, looting their way across the top of the boot there. Um, now, like kind of like I said about the Tetones, they had been marching and at war for a really long time. They were fucking tired. They wanted to just camp out and live off of northern Italy and wait for winter to pass because you don't campaign in wintertime. Um, and, you know, they sat on the north fattening themselves and resting. Once again, this is a bad idea because this gave time for Marius to cross the length of northern uh, Italy and join up with Catalyst and they'd be able to join their forces uh, to maybe 50,000 men. And Boyerix oh, at this oh, point sure. had had maybe 60,000. Um, now, mind you, he had no idea that Tetones had caught those that like, that, that Roman smoke, and he assumed That's that they were on their yes. way to join them. Yeah. 
This led to uh, something that you generally only think happens in movies, what I call the tactical shit talk in the middle of a pitched battlefield. Uh, you know, that, mm-hmm. that like movie trope that you assume doesn't actually happen in real life. Now, these two forces, there, there's also a time where Boyerex is slowly being pushed back uh, across northern Italy. And eventually they met in the middle of a field. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was not wanting to commit to battle because he was waiting for the Tetones or they'd be able to outnumber them by, you know, tens of thousands. And that's when in front of uh, Boyerex, Marius kicked out the chain Tetone king out in front of his army and told Boyerex that he didn't have to wait for the Tetones um, because the Romans had already given them plenty of land. You get it because he killed them and then left them yeah. in the sun. Oh. Get it? Get oh, it? oh, Jesus! Burn now. Yeah. This Enjoy as you can imagine, pairs, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you plenty of fucking. I don't know, like dead guy celery, dead guy lemons. Now, royally pissed off, Boyrick has demanded that Marius at a time and a place for them to meet and finally settle this goddamn thing. Like, <laughs> oh, okay, you give the demands, huh, guy? And they agreed. They fight uh, to fight in a place called uh, Vercale in July 30th, 101 BC. Now, almost immediately, the advantage went to the Romans. The Cimbri were almost entirely on foot and had very few cavalry. And they used these cavalry to guard their flanks, which is something that you would do playing a video game. Uh, not so much one when you're fighting much heavier Roman horse. Right. Also, you wouldn't secure your flanks with, with cavalry. Real big fuck up there for Boyerex. So the more numerous Roman cavalry opened the battle by simply rushing out and attacking both flanks of the Cimbri's force. Um, now the Roman cavalry were for the, probably one of the few times you get to say this in Roman history better. Uh, Rome's not exactly known for their superior cavalry forces. Mm-hmm. Um, now, rather than supporting their own flanks and like flexing their infantry around to try to support them and secure them, they simply abandoned their flanks, marching their center forward to attack the Roman line. This meant that as soon as the Roman cavalry chased off uh, the the Cimbrian cavalry, they simply had to double back around and attack the Cimbri center from behind, which would pin them against the Roman shield wall. Now, another side effect of this heavy press of men slamming together Oh, yes. Do, do with that phrasing what you will. Uh, this actually benefited the Romans more and more because the Roman fighting style was claustrophobic. Like they use short, slashing, stabbing swords to pull you in close and gut you uh, and pin you against their shields. Now, to make matters worse, when the Cimbri attempted to form a shield wall to defend, because you know that's the best way to do that kind of fighting. The Cimbrian cavalry, running from the Roman cavalry, stampeded through their own line. Oh, I hate to see it. Yeah, imagine you're like, don't worry, boys. We have them right where we want them. You catch like a fucking horse hoof to the side of the head. No, thanks, man. I mean, I can't think of a better way to break up uh, an infantry line than a screaming mass of like, I don't know, a Corolla sized horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Kimbri army broke as their defensive cohesion, you know, got horsed. Um, and they tried to, uh, they tried to run, but this turned this entire situation into a rapid paced massacre. Uh, King Boyerix himself attempted to rally enough men to form a defense and him and everybody with him were killed. After watching their King die, people began to surrender in large numbers and some of them were taken alive. Uh, most of them were put into slavery and it's thought that a, a pretty decent number of these guys would actually go on to be soldiers in Spartacus's revolt during the third servile war, which we have talked about in a previous series. So yeah, weird connection line there and thus ended the Cimbrian threat to Rome. 
However, as you can imagine, some people were pretty pissed that Marius had been elected to councilship so many goddamn times. Um, you know, they effectively nuked their own laws to continue giving him power. This, this right. isn't super unheard of, I suppose. Like, there's the Roman concept of the dictator, where someone would, put, would be put in charge for a very limited amount of time to handle a very specific threat. Um, and then they would leave that power. Um, and this is kind of why Marius has picked his council so many times. But then he was elected council after the war again. So people are like, huh? So he's just he's just in office forever now, huh? We just don't learn our lesson. And uh, he did. So he also was kind of proved to everybody that the Senate's power was quite uh, quite uh, uh-huh. fungible because uh, yeah. you know, he came up with an idea. Because at the at this point, you're not roman if you lived outside of the city of rome and within italy you were italian or or these uh, other groups of people that were not considered roman so after the war marius kind of on his own extended roman citizenship to all of the uh, all of their italian allies which was considered like an outrage in senate because of you know racism um and uh this pissed off pretty much all of the other old school powerful people um, this amongst his, you know, constant, uh, election, uh, pissed off a guy named Sulla, um, and started a pretty powerful political beef between the two, which would of course lay the groundwork for Rome's first of many civil wars. We love happy endings, don't we? Whoa. On the show. So how you, how you feeling about the Kimbrians now? Uh, that's not very bright. I mean, I, I do love that the Romans just like in an expedition of foolishness kept getting, kept getting themselves got. That's pretty funny. I do like that one of their best resources was just in like unemployed dudes. Yeah, like, just, you know. <laughs> we, we can feed so many more uh, unemployed guys into that buzz feed, uh, the, like that buzz saw than you can. Like we can stay. It's like it's like this. The, I like, this we, all day, we, asshole. <laughs> yeah, we can be stupid longer than you can stay solvent situation but in military affairs by GameStop. yeah i hope everybody enjoyed that liam we do a thing on the show called questions from the legion we have a good one today if you'd like to ask us a question from the legion donate to the show like this person did you can ask me on patreon and i will it, this is probably the fastest turnaround we've ever had for a question from the legion so you know and not that this episode's coming out anytime soon today's question is I have a question from the Legion. You find a magical lamp with a genie inside that will grant you one wish. However, that wish can only change something that is mo- that only mildly irritates you. What would you change? Uh, oh, I would not get bug bites. Not get bug bites. Hmm. I hate bugs, dude. Or I would never have to see a rodent again. What what kind of bugs like mosquitoes? Like it, you, ha- your skin is just impregnated with DEET. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Out here living in the tropics of Philadelphia. Yes. <laughs> oh, and if people if people who talk in elevator, they have to be executed. I think anytime I hear someone's phone, like they're on speakerphone in public, their cell phone just explodes in their hand like a hand grenade. Yeah. Okay, I'll buy that. <laughs> I was on the metro the other day, which is. I haven't been on many metros, admittedly, but I will say the Yerevan metro is incredibly loud. Um, you can't talk it's to the person Soviet, next to yeah. you. Yeah, um, I mean, exactly. It's not exactly the newest fucking train system on Earth. And I swear to God, there's a guy next to me the other day talking on speakerphone on the metro. And I have no idea how the hell that was happening. 
Execution by firing squad. It's like you have become so annoying that you have transcended sense. You're doing that because you hate your fellow man. Now, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the show today. Uh, If you like our show, consider donating to it on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lions of My Donkeys. Uh, and uh, or follow the the link in the show notes. It'll take you right there. One dollar gets you a ton of stuff, and uh, or or don't donate to the show. It's your money. No, you can do the show. You, you fucking pussies. Um, and so you can leave us a review, um, which a lot of people have done. We love seeing the five star reviews because, like, outside of that, we really don't know what you think of the show. Um, unless you leave us hate mail, which we do get occasionally. <laughs> um, Blow me, Rhodesians. Liam, this is the spot where you plug your shows. Well, there's your problem. 10,000 losses. See it or screw it. Thank you. <laughs> and and until next time, uh, I don't know, think of large scale government go around the employment. Forts. Go around the forts. Go around <laughs> uh, the forts. Until next time, think of large scale government employment properties that benefit people. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Woo.